Welcome to Footy on the Med, a roving podcast exploring football clubs and culture here on the Mediterranean. My name's Alex Wade and I live in Monton, France, just like my co-host. And here he is. Hello and welcome. I'm John O'Hare, like Alex, a Monton resident. Together we watch football here on the Med, bringing you the action from famous clubs like Marseille, Barcelona, Ajax, Athens and Sampdoria. Names to conjure with. And there are others too, like Hamadona, Piers the goalkeeper, and neither last nor least, Steve the Atletico Medico. That's right. Footy on the Med airs every fortnight on a Wednesday, come rain or shine. And don't forget our regular sidekick, Young Trafford. Allez. Andiamo. So here I am, Footy on the Med today is up in Como, not very uh, not very close to the Mediterranean Sea at all, but we've got an angle, Genoa play Como on Monday, that's tomorrow. Why am I here a day early? I'm here to talk to former QPR legend Mark Bircham, also ex-Canada international. <laughs> Mark, here you are, first team coach for Como, where did it all go right? Yeah, well playing QPR, that's the start of it all going of right. Of course. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, through my friend Dennis Wise, who, who's CEO of Como, he tried to get me over a few times and it just seemed the right time to come in June and come over and loved every minute of it. Different type of football, learned a different language. So, yeah, I can't complain. How is your Italian? Va bene. Well, cosy, cosy. It's a little bit... My football terminology is good. Like, yeah. To take a training session, team talk, because it's more key, key points. But Italian language is hard because five words for one word. So you've got past, present, future, masculine, feminine. And so you can you know what words are, but then put them in. Even like a piano. It's, so you've got piano, the instrument, it's called piano. Piano yeah. is for slow yeah. and piano for floor. Okay. So, <laughs> I know it's yeah, four as yeah, well. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So, it, so there's little things like that. It is, it is difficult, but conversational when there's a few people talking you do lose it a little bit but it's the same with me and Dennis Rovan when we're talking they can't understand what we're saying so it's yeah, very, no, true. very similar and is Dennis is he a fluent Italian speaker now? I'm going to say yeah in case he listens to it but no fair enough <laughs> alright so life in Como then you're out here managing Como which is a club founded in 1907 a lot of Italian clubs have the date of the year they were founded don't they next to their name yep. so um, I think that? they renew it all the time because each, yeah. each club goes done for tax and they have to start again it's they, very they common do. theme out here they do of course that would, did that happen with Como did yeah they? it went bust and then they restarted right, they, okay. but then they, that's when they put 1907 in the title it weren't before oh, okay okay but um, so I've been to Como once before and I've wandered around the stadium when I came to try and meet you earlier on and got hopelessly uh, stifled by trying to park the car but the stadium it must be one of the most amazing locations in the world yeah it's right on the lake it's probably prime location for anything so yeah. owners have got big plans to redevelop and, and build ASAP so once you get that then it, it, the club goes to a different level really yeah we can only get because health and safety in the stadium we can only get I think 6,000 in at the minute so. is, that, is that all it is yeah because of there's a few dilapidated stands and I think if you get too many on it it would it would collapse I have yeah. to say yeah wandering around it this afternoon um, it, the, even some of the gates look a little bit like they're about to fall off the hinges sort of thing. yeah it looks a bit like the stadium out of to victory Right, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but Como itself is a very wealthy area. You've got, um, you know, George Clooney's got his holiday place here, Madonna as well, I think. Yeah. Um, are you bumping into them on a daily uh, basis? Or? No, to be fair, uh, Ben Affleck and J-Lo were here in July. It was yeah. July or August. I see them on the water, but no, you, you get other 
Because it's such a short flight from England, it's an hour and a half into Milan Malpensa, it's half an hour from there. there. There's been QPR fans at every home game this season, which I much appreciate them. So, yeah, it's good. Well, well regular listeners at Footy the Med will know I'm a yeah. diehard QPR fan. So, so, are the QPR fans that are coming out to support you a bit? Ooh. That's fantastic. I'd like to say, yeah, but I think <laughs> I'm here and they're putting two and two together and coming out because it's a, it's a great place to watch a game and visit. But, yeah, they've been, they've been at every home game. So, there have been a couple in the away games as well. So, I think with QPR fans, you've got a special bond, like because you know what they've been through. To be fair. <laughs> you, you're not supporting it out of choice. You've probably been made to by your family. That was me. You yeah. Know, every QPR, every Bircham ever born's a QPR fan. You're forced in it. We could do a lot of recruiting for ISIS, I think, and sell it as a good idea because we get we sell to our kids what good idea QPR fans is to be, but they don't know what you're going to go through. Well, I'll tell you what, actually. I've got two grown-up lads who, um, when I was um, a dad at that point living in West London, I bought them little QPR uh, booties. So, yeah. you know, babies always eat their feet. Yeah, yeah. So they'd see the logo and they'd have it imprinted. Oh, no, it's brainwashing. Yeah, I've yeah. done that. I've done but it, it backfired. Really? Right? Yeah, it backfired. But now... You I failed as a father. I failed as a father. <laughs> 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 they would at a push that say they're both QPR fans, right? But they're not like, they don't really know what's going on. However, my little six-year-old daughter, in, as life has taken a turn and I'm doing it all over again, she is obsessed with QPR. Brilliant. She's got a little QPR top and she's desperate to meet you today. Yeah. Started getting all excited, too excited, so we had to pack her off to the hotel to calm down. Yeah. There you go, you still have that effect well, on people. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, but it is, it's, it's like supporting a cult because you just get broke. I brainwashed all my kids, I brought them everything, wouldn't we'll let them have an, another kit until they get to a certain age where they are QPR fans. So, yeah, as, as a father, I didn't fail. I, I brainwashed them. No, well, you, you've <laughs> done a better job than me. But, um, OK, well, look, we're on to QPR. I mean, um, what, what's going on at the moment? I mean, lost again, 2-0 at home to Preston yesterday. We're, what, fourth from bottom in the championship yeah, at the moment? Yeah, looking... I watch a lot of the games because some, we've had quite a few games on a Sunday and a Monday, so I get to watch them and it's just... Ah, oh, it's... Lost the throw whenever I played there or when I, when I coached there, it was always a massive home advantage to us. And it was, mm. you couldn't wait to play at home and get points, but it's backfired on us this year. They're not, I don't know, it just seems like there's a different atmosphere there when you're watching games. And it might come through the TV different, but I, I went to games, when I went back at Christmas, I watched, I was out there for Luton at home when we lost, and then Sheffield United, we, we drew. But yeah, it was. Something was bubbling, but the fans could turn at any minute. But mm. I think guys coming in uh, sort of supp- uh, suppressed that fans sort of revolt. Yeah. And then now we're, we're starting to see it a little bit again now. Yeah, and obviously the club's got to stick with him because they've just appointed him. Um, and I know, I mean, what if, uh, the record is what? Play, is it played six and lost 5-1-1? One, one? Is that under guys I've, at the moment? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Um, but, you know, will we stay up? I do believe we will. I think we, we'll get two wins from that at the end of the season. Lord averages say we've got to get a few wins. But if you historically, we always beat Luton at home. We lost. We always beat Mill at home. We lost. We always beat Watford at home. We beat them. But we always beat Coventry and Norwich at home. So we can't mm. lose to both of them. Mm. I'm just a, mm. I'm a law of average man. We can't. So we, we're one of them. And the last game of the season is Bristol City at home. And I think we'll win that to stay up. Could, we, could it even be... Not a disaster if we did go down. Because, let's face it, things... Back in the day when... When, I, when I joined, yeah, I joined in League One. Yeah. Um, well, you were instrumental with yeah. um, a team of... Uh, Kevin Gallon yeah, was playing yeah. back then, Lee Cook. Kev, yeah. um, 
Gareth Ainsworth, of yeah. course, was he, he come, Gaz come the year, first year we lost in the playoff final, second year Martin Rowland and Gaz come and made, yeah, made, yeah. made a bit you of a difference. You were instrumental to take us back up to yeah. what's now the championship. championship. Had it been called the championship at that point? I can't remember. I think it, no, I think, oh, no, it was the championship. It yeah. was, okay. Yeah. And then, but, but to be fair, we would have, I know Gianni took over a club and we didn't have any players. I remember there was an injury crisis, but we were still at that end of the season coming into March. I think we was eighth. And if we had some financial backing to get players in, we, we would have got in the playoffs that year. Trouble is, of course, is that back then as a fan, and um, I was mentioning before we started, we turned on the mics, I interviewed Gianni Palladini back in the day and, and Ollie at the training ground, etc. cetera. Um, um, you know, there was always this talk and we, have, we went into administration, of course. There was always financial mismanagement and troubles. Mm. You know, but it doesn't looking on from in from the outside, it doesn't look like a hell of a lot has changed. That's yeah, the problem. It, it, um, it, um, it's sort of hard for me because I know the owners really well. I know Les really well, Gaz really well. So I don't want it to get tainted, my view. But we do need a, a, a reset button type thing to... And, and no, I don't want to go down because... Uh, it's a very hard league to get out. You look at yeah. the big teams down there, it's not like two or three are going to run away with it. To, whether it be either Sheffield Wednesday uh, or Ipswich are probably going to stay down. I think Ipswich will go up, so at least Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs, you never know. Yeah. And then you've got Derby in there, you've got some big teams, big teams. So it won't be... I think the fans think, well, we'll go down and then we'll have a reshuffle and we'll bounce straight back up. It never works that easy. Look at the no, teams that are, no, no. that are down there. None of them really have bounced straight up. The big ones. So, but it's happened to, in my time, it happened to Leeds, it happened to Southampton. They all went down to League One to bounce back up. So, mm. look, no, it's not a good thing. And I think we'll pull it out. But it's just, a, we just need to get better players. We seem like we've recruited a lot of, we've had injury problems, but we've recruited a lot of players with, Injury records. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Ilias Chair and Chris Willock, I mean, two really good footballers were injured. Um, them not being around for a, a while now has surely had a massive effect. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're very good players. And I think Michael Bill got a bit fortunate with both of them being fit because a lot of the games were very even under Bill and then Willock or Chair would do something a bit special and, and win the game. So, yeah, but even then, it, we wasn't looking a dominant team. It's just... Mm. We're, we're caught in a rock and hard place. We want to develop players and bring them through, but I don't think the players that we've brought through are at a level to play in the championship. Is there is there um, a curse? Because this has been mentioned to me a little bit over the years, right? Now, so I'm of a certain vintage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as in I'm old. Uh, I can remember seeing Stan Bowles play. Uh, first game I ever saw was QPR away to Bristol City, yep. when actually Stan broke his leg uh, in mud about that yep. thick, you know. Um, but, you know, there's a certain expectation among the fans that we have to have a good number 10, we love to have a good number 10. We have to play nice passing football on the deck, like under Dave Sexton from yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, should, is that a curse? Should we just be no, forgetting I, all of that? Or? No, because that's the QPR way. We, we love loving them. I loved my hero was John Byrne. So that was, was, good, that yeah, was my number play. 10 yeah, when yeah. he was in there. But before that was Stainwell, then it was Byrne, then it was Wegley. So, and then <laughs> my son's generation, Laverdell. Great, great lad. Oh, great lad to yeah. coach yeah, yeah. and still in contact with him now. But my son, that's my son's idol. So I think that's in our DNA. We have to have a number 10. And look, we don't have to play straight from the back. I think even 
under Holloway, we played good attacking football. Sometimes we would get it forward quite early, but we'd play football in the half. But mm. you need to have attacking football where you're creating chances and goals, and especially at home. Mm. I think QPR has always been a home team. They have. Mm. And I think it's imperative that we get Loftus Road as a bit of a fortress where, because it's so close, we've got to use it to our advantage to try and make it our place to come. Yeah, except for the New Year's Day massacre, of course. <laughs> yeah. Old Trafford. <laughs> Who can? Who will ever forget that? It's Sinton, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. Yeah, Bailey, yeah, Bailey, Patrick. Yeah, Sinton, second minute, I think. Bailey got his first fifth minute, and that was yeah. a glorious day. And Roy Wegley should have made it five. Yeah, he should have. Um, and do you know what? It over the bar. I think my dad had a, a heavy New Year's Eve, and we had tickets to go, and he convinced us, because we'd never seen a QR game live on TV, because we'd always been at the games. Yeah. And I think that was a, was that the first time since the Liverpool quarterfinal we was on TV, at home and then that was the first really game that was on TV since the Milk Cup final are you talking the, the Liverpool QPR 2 Liverpool 2 that yeah yeah final. Barker scored Barker scored Barker last, scored. That was, did Ray Wilkins get the Ray first? Wilkins yeah off the yeah. shaky cross yeah, 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 so yeah. that was a great game uh, you, and we was unlucky in the replay we lost 1-0 up there I think Beardsley scored yeah I think that's the best game of football I've ever seen to yeah. this day that two-all draw um I mean, John Barnes is just terrifying. I hate him. Forward. I hate him. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I went to England one time just to boo him because that's so much... Because he was so good against QBR every time he played us. Yeah. And then when he went to England, he wasn't... When I wanted him to perform, he never really did. But he always... He loved the goal against Seaman. Loved it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and because at my school, there was loads of Liverpool fans that never got games. They were just the glory hunters. Mm. And they all loved John Barnes. And I couldn't stand him for that reason, because he was so good. Do you know, did you ever see that thing on YouTube? you know who his hero was? Who? Stan Bowles. Was it? Okay, yeah, yeah. He, he was at QBR when he was younger. Well, I don't, was he? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Okay. And then, they, then they let him go and he went to Watford. Okay. So, um... We'll probably come back to QPR. Yeah, I'm yeah. Surprised, but um, so Como themselves now. You, you, you're the first team coach at yeah. Como. Uh, so I'm, let me get my right. I'm a tactical first team coach and the head of player development. Okay, and that means that you <laughs> are in charge of coaching one Cesc Fabregas, yes, a, a World Cup winner, ex Barcelona, yep. Chelsea, Arsenal star, who's passed for Andreas Iniesta. Yeah. Gave Spain the World Cup title in two ten, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah. In the Netherlands. I mean. How does that work out? Are yeah. you mates? Did, did yeah. you know each other before the he came yeah, in? Before he, you he knew when I, I was here, but yeah, says do you know what? All the wrong ones I've probably coached at QPR that were massive times. He's probably one of the most humble players that you meet. And yeah. he, he should be big time. He's Cesc Fabregas, but yeah, he's still still fantastic passer. Legs not what they used to be, of course, but he can still be a weapon for us in Serie B. But yeah. Great guy, helping him through his coaching badges. So okay. I think he's just about a completely A license. So he's got he's got views in the future on, on being a coach. But yeah, no, a lovely guy. And I think did I see in the line at the last game, the last Como outing, yeah. you lost three two away to Venezia. Did did Fabregas play in that one or, or not? No, he was injured. He got injured right. the game before when it was him and Buffon that were captains in the game against oh, Palmer okay. at home. Right, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Buffon went back to Palmer, yeah, his yeah. first club, didn't he? Um, yeah. Okay. So. You've got Genoa, um, yep. Il Griffone, yep. as they're known, uh, tomorrow. Well, Footy the Med arrives now at uh, Como's football stadium uh, just before kickoff. Time on a fashion, even without John, things still go wrong. And uh, I've only just sketchily got here just in time to find a seat. So here I go. It's Como versus Genoa. That's it, we've kicked off now. Como against Genoa. 
uh, Ilariani versus Il Grifone. Uh, Il Grifone, second in Serie B at the moment. Como down in just beneath mid-table. Como can still make the playoffs. Here they go down the right wing. Nice attack immediately. Pitch looks in fantastic condition. And that's out for a throw-in. Nicely shepherded out by Genoa. I'm at the uh, Stadio Giuseppe Sinigaglia. Good racket being uh, made by the Genovese to my right in the corner. Uh, incredible setting for ground this on the shores of Lake Como. Just uh, parked the car at the Hilton Hotel. They very kindly let me park it there. Uh, walked along the lakeside walkway, past some beautiful old villas. Incredible setting, the uh, little village of Brunate, accessible by a funicular railway. Looks down over Como. Uh, here I am. Uh, we talked on foot in the meadow backgrounds closest to the med. This is possibly the closest to a lake that certainly I've ever been and possibly in the world. Amazing setting. Um, lovely sunny afternoon. Interesting game of football in stock. Must confess to a couple of things. One, I'm missing John O'Hare. John couldn't make it to this game. Uh, always nice to be at games with John. John, where are you? Down in Monton, I suspect. Uh, enjoying the nice fine weather down there. Nice and warm here as well. Uh, the other thing I confess to is that my loyalties are split for this one. Um, this is a med game, Genoa, away. So I came up here fully expecting to support the away side. However, as you'll have heard on uh, Foot in the Med, I had the pleasure and privilege of talking to Mark Bircham, first team trainer here at Como, ex-QPR, former legend for the hoops. So um, I'm a little bit con conflicted here because for Mark's sake, I'd like Como to get a win. But obviously for the Mediterranean, for Genoa, I'd like to see them win this and uh, consolidate their uh, push back to Serie A. Goal to Genoa. They've probably been shading it so far. 22nd, 23rd minute. Rifled in, low drive, left foot. Didn't see who scored it, but I'll tell you in a minute. Tacoma free kick in a dangerous area. Um, number 33 for them is standing over the ball. Genoa Wall gets in place there. Genoa are 1-0 up thanks to a Kevin Strootman goal. Uh, now, let's see if Como, who've been really outplayed, actually. Here we are, coming up to about the half an hour mark. I'd say the possession's about 70% Genoa. Here they go, referee's about to blow the missile. Missile? Whistle, even. Let's see what happens now. Well, John, I've just seen the thing you could have done in this game. Lofted, casually, no pace, no accuracy, well over the crossbar. Sustained pressure by Como, the home side here, for about the last four to five minutes. Um, I think it's either the third or fourth corner in a row. Relentless by them, but up till this point, which is just before half-time, they have been, you know, to be fair, they've been battered, uh, really. Genoa completely in control, fantastic possession football by them, looking very good throughout their side. Almost unrecognisable from the team that went down from Serie A last season. John and I saw a lot of them. Uh, no wonder, they were terrible then. But now they're a good side. They look definitely as if they're going to go back up to Syria. But at the moment, can they withstand this? No! And it's saved. Eventually, that looked like a certain goal cleared off the line. And uh, Genoa will take a bit of time to calm down now just to see uh, we get to the last minute or two before half-time. But um, good, good football by Como. Good five minutes of pressure there. Half-time here at the uh, Stadio Giuseppe Sinigaglia. Uh, it's Como, the home side, nil, Genoa, one. Genoa well in command and fully deserving their advantage at the half-time break. Um, just had a moment to reflect, and of course, popped into my mind, John, as these things do, that um, the Hungarian composer Franz Liszt 
once said that Como is as blessed by heaven, a place where the charms of a life of love cannot appear more natural. I'm sure that you'd agree with that if you were here now. What a lovely, wonderful place this is. And I wonder if it's um, Drew, not just George Clooney, Madonna, Gianni Versace, all the celebs who've got places here, but also Cesc Fabregas, the uh, former Chelsea, Arsenal and Barcelona star, World Cup winner with Spain in 2010, the man who laid on the pass for Andreas Iniesta for Spain to beat the Netherlands 1-0. He's here as well. Sadly, he's injured, as uh, Mark Bertram confirmed when I chatted to him yesterday. Uh, so he's not in the side uh, for Como today. They could definitely do with him. They're being outclassed here. Uh, and Genoa looked very good for going ahead and winning this one by the end of the game. Over and out for now. That was that one going to panic. Genoa, of course, the second in Serie A, yeah, pushing we, for a promotion. We got a good point there away, and we should have won, really. We played really well. <clears throat> People call it because it's, it's like Serie A too really because such big teams and yeah. as you said like Genoa, Parma you've got Palermo that's come up Bari that's come up because they've went down for tax irregularities I think and they're back up again so such big teams in it from our from my time in watching Serie A even Brescia was in Serie A didn't he Roberto Paggio was there at one stage so yeah some, some, some good teams and a different style of football and but very similar to championship in England it's so so tight and, mm. and mm. teams are so similar because what we five points from playoffs and we're five points from relegation unbelievable yeah yeah did you do you know much about Italian football before you yeah, came I'm, I was a big Italian football fan my right. dad used to always like make me watch it and being of the the generation I was in the 80s and 90s Maradona was my hero one of them and okay. so I was a big fan of Napoli yeah. and just watching that generation when AC had the Dutchman uh, Ad Hullet and Van Basten and Rijkaard it was like that was the original Premier League Italian football and then yeah. later on when Gaza went there of course uh, loved Gaza so yeah. always watched Italian football there so, so it, would you say how would you say they compare in terms of sort of passion at games because um, yeah. certainly some of the like the um, the Derby della Lanterna the yeah. Genoa Sampdoria yeah. Derby which I was lucky enough to see last season it's unbelievable yeah. it's absolutely extraordinary when um few years back when Sampdoria were relegated yep 30,000 like 30, Genoese fans yep. paraded through the streets of the city with a coffin yep. and hosted a mock, mock funeral yep. you know you go to Italian football matches and there's the ultras there's the fireworks the firecrackers the noise the smoke um, obviously it's very passionate in the UK as well but it seems to be an extra level yeah it, it is it is another level because but it's funny with uh, Genoa Sampdoria and the two Milans it's a bit like Man U, Man City. Most people from here or Milan support Inter. Yeah. And AC is more the global team. And Genoa, most people from Genoa support Genoa. And Sampdoria is more the global team. So, yeah, yeah. And then, so it's, it's good, just little things like that. I've been to, I've been to San Siro quite a bit because it's so close to watch games. <clears throat> I say Italian football at the minute was probably what, English football was before the Premier League, as in stadiums need updating, mm. training grounds need updating, mm. uh, especially Serie A and Serie B. They've not really got much infrastructure. So like in England, I've been trying to say them in England, maybe cat two or one academies have better training facilities than the first teams over here. So, yeah. uh, and they've, uh, the EPPP was the academy wise in England brilliant what it's for producing more technical players and I think that needs to happen over here because the, they haven't got that type of academy system over here but you look at the 
I think it's the three Italian teams in the Champions League. I think there's only like six Italian players in their squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've not got that influx of players coming in. Okay, the Premier League has less English players playing in it, but there seems to be a selection of players that you can get. What about just actually talking of English players? Have you got anybody, um, any English Lewis players? Binks, Gomez? We got Lewis no, Binks, Lewis Binks. But because right. you're not allowed, you're only allowed EU players in Serie B. Uh, okay. But he was at Bologna before Brexit, so he can plan this country about passport. So it's been a good and bad thing because a lot of players that I know ring me up want to come out. So I have to right. say that I'd love to, but I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Como, um, Dennis Wise is the CEO, yep. and he's been here about three years or so. Was a big QPR fan then. As I know. I know, know yeah. Well, again, as a QPR fan, right? Yeah. To be honest, you know, you'll know this. And Chelsea are not. Oh no, our we, really, team. we really detest them. And yeah, I think, yeah. I think and it's really healthy, and I don't understand fans that don't hate another team. Yeah. Because I think you have one team you love, one team you hate. Because Chelsea losing has brought me, I think, as much joy in my career as QPR winning. Well, it's at the moment the only consolation with our season, right, is that Chelsea are having a shocker as well. But they'll probably end up winning the Champions League just to rub it into us. But I said to Mark Hughes once when we was there, when we was in the Premier League trying trying to stay up and Chelsea actually won the Champions League. But I said, I would prefer to get relegated at QPR, even though I was coaching, than Chelsea win the Champions League because we can get back up. Yeah. You can't take it off them once they've done it. And he couldn't believe it. And well, I, was like, I mean, honestly, hand on my heart, I would, I would have taken getting yeah, relegated. Yeah, because good old Dennis, I, I, I was aware Dennis is a QPR fan, brought yeah, up with his family. Yeah. But then he went to Chelsea, and I could never. Well, sort he, got, of... he got rejected by QPR. Right. So he was at QPR, then he got rejected, then he went to Southampton, then from Southampton he went to Wimbledon, and then yeah, he was Chelsea's record by after the after the cup final. But I, oh, I do remind him, he broke me, he broke my heart a little bit because he scored a. Like over a kick in 91, 2 2. Townsend scored a world. It was 2 all. And yeah, he scored it. And he took like, he didn't kiss yeah. the badge at Chelsea, but he did give it to the QPR fans, which. Well, he, he got a lock stick, that. to be fair. Didn't yeah, he? <laughs> he did get a lock stick. And he, as yeah. you told me, he was spat and stuff at the game. But uh, yeah, I always remind him of that. Would one. he say he's a QPR fan still? Or yeah, because yeah. his family are. Right. Yeah, of course, he's a Chelsea fan. Yeah, yeah. Which I hate to admit. But. Yeah. Yeah, same with Sesk. I'd never talk about his Chelsea career. Yeah. It's always Arsenal, Barcelona. That, that's off yeah. limits. Right, right. It, yeah, didn't, yeah. it didn't happen. Well, I remember um, before Neil Warnock got um, sacked, because yeah. um, at the time I, I interviewed Neil Warnock for a, um, for a piece I wrote, and, um, and he, was really, he was a lovely bloke. When we went up to the Premier League, he sorted me out with tickets. I was yeah. living miles away in Cornwall. Oh, nice. He was a really good bloke. Um, and when he got sacked, which I thought was a bit unfair, yeah. actually, um, we had a couple of, bit of an exchange of a couple of messages and I said to him, look, Neil, you did a great job. We love you at QPR yeah. and you beat Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. In that, that 1-0 game, yeah. um, Helgerson penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I spoke to Frank Lampard after that as well. But I think it surprised them how much hatred we had for Chelsea because it was the first game we played against each other in years and they didn't really know. It's a bit like, I never knew Brentford didn't like us. Yeah. Brentford but, was a type of club, like... Phil Older was a relation who used to be his, the assistant at, with Steve Herman at Brentford and quite a lot of QPR fans used to go to Brentford if the game yeah, was yeah. too far away or yeah. for whatever. It was only when I played for Mill, we played Brentford live on TV at Mill and they were singing stand up if you ate Rangers stand up and that yeah. was because the, the players knew I was right they was going what's that about? The Mill yeah. players oh, yeah. I ain't got a clue. No I didn't have a clue either but now I know I have the misfortune to know a Brentford fan who rubs it in every minute yeah. just how well they, they are. It hurts it hurts that where that not 
I don't dislike them. It just hurts that they're above us now. Yeah. And where they are as a club and where Fulham are sort of still as a club. Because yeah. keep was always a bigger team than Fulham. They are. They are. Yeah. I don't get one. It was very, very rarely do West Londoners support Fulham. But also it's the, it's the way as a kid for me that that 74, 75, 76, 77 yeah. era as a young boy watching that team play yeah. you know you've got Jerry Francis Dave Thomas Dave Clement Ian Gillard Stan yeah. an amazing Don Masson what yeah. a side you know? what a side and so when I first started supporting it was the earliest memory of my dad at a football match crying was the semi-final away uh, at Highbury against West Brom because right. okay. like, a goal went in and then of course we bundled down don't know where he's got some dad I was four and he was crying, I thought he was crying because like, he lost me. I'm like, no, no, I'm here, I'm here. Like, <laughs> no, no, because Clive Allen scored. And so I'd, I got, I was quite fortunate. So that was 82. Then next year, year we got promoted. Then uh, then, well, yeah, then we got into Europe. I remember that part of yeah. Dale Gray. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Was it 4-2? No, 6-2 at home. And then we lost 4-0 away to yeah. get knocked out. And that was at Ivory because we couldn't play it on the plastic pitch. And then after that was, for me, because of my age, was the great cup run, Milk Cup final 86, where we beat Chelsea. We yeah, beat yeah. Liverpool in there. Yeah. And we turned up thinking it was going to be easy against oh. Oxford and probably the worst game we've played. I wrote about that in, in my book recently about, um, I was at uni at the time and going down to watch that game in the little student room and all that with yeah. my girlfriend at the time, draped in blue and white yeah, scarves yeah. and all that, thinking, oh, it's Oxford United, what yeah. can go wrong? Yeah. Everything went wrong. Well, could, like, even in the, well, I think it was the, round before the quarterfinals, we beat the Nottingham Forest team that were really good. Then we beat Chelsea. Then we beat the great like Liverpool team at that time. And, Noah Gaffer, and I remember bawling my eyes out walking out Wembley because we lived in Wembley. Uh, we used to walk to the games all the time. And then just remember, and my dad went, I promise you, we'll be back soon, son. And you know what? The Bobby Zamora game was at Wembley. So I was assistant at Mill at the time. We, we got about 50 tickets, went there. And when we won, he said, see, I told you we'd be back. <laughs> about 30 years later. Talking of Forest, because you just mentioned them, is that one of your, um, you, you scored a cracker for us Yeah, Forest, that, to relegate them, yeah, my mate was at yeah. Forest. Uh, that was yeah. a nice goal. What, yeah. Is that your favourite QPR goal? Or? Nah, he's got me, <laughs> got me Brentford away yeah, to get us in the playoffs. Was that another volley? Yeah, volley, yeah, nothing, yeah. but it was last kick of the game. Right. Because, uh, yeah, because Tranmere were pushing us to get in the playoffs. And then someone told one Brentford fan, uh, Tranmere's win, you're not getting in the playoffs, you're out of them. And then the corner, last kick, and then won the game there. And I think that's where the Brentford fans' bit of hatred come towards me. Because I had said I've never had a problem with Brentford. They're a nice team in Middlesex. I mean, you were known for being a controversial player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you had your, your blue rinse do yeah, all that, which was great. Which was um, great, but it's quite easy for away fans who ain't football fans yeah, yeah. to spot you to get yeah. a little bit of abuse, really. Yeah. But, and I always thought you were, um, you know, when I was looking at notes and reminding myself of things, uh, you, you know, you, you were described in various things as a, as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. My ranked memories of you were being a little bit trickier and more... Uh, no, I play, was... But do you know what? Have I, got, have I no, missed no, memories? No, no, towards the end, I was more defensive. Right. Uh, but I was... You weren't... There weren't a defensive or attacking midfielder. You was just a midfielder because it was yeah. 4 4 two. So you had to... If one went forward, the other one used to hold. And then, yeah, I was a bit... I was a bit box-to-box who could run, but yeah, I, I was a better passer than people give me credit for because I used to like winding other players up and getting amongst it and tackling that. You'd yeah, probably, I, mean, I think yeah, you were yeah, known yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah so you'd, yeah. You'd, you'd, people would mainly focus on that, but yeah, yeah, it was 
Yeah, it was just a dream at Black Cube. Oh, it was unbelievable. I remember when I signed, and then the first like program I was on, it was, I was on the program for the first game, it was against Chesterfield. And it was like, we used to get these made up when you enter the caravan and stuff, like you're on the front mm. of the cube. Mm. Like, and even like the first day when you got the, the kit, your training kit, mm. it was like, you used to buy it all the time, and now, yeah. now I'm getting it. So yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't didn't take it for granted one day because I knew I was a, I was a fan that was lucky enough to play football. So first of all, I was a fanatic of QPR, where it was bed sheets, wallpaper, like every kit going. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it was a fanatic to play for the club. But that's where the hair come along because I had long hair, it was a bit like Ricky Butcher type stuff. It was free flowing locks, and then I had a, we had. We made a pact, me and my brother, when we was about nine or ten. If anyone played QPR, you had to dye your hair blue and white. <laughs> and he, he said to me, it was on the Monday before the Saturday, he said, look, it'd break my heart if you don't stick to the, because you're, and he said, you're lucky, you're playing. He said, if I'd done it, I would. So, yeah, so that was a bit of a shock to the team when it turned up. The day before the game, yeah, blue and white my hook. Okay, so you've got, you've got lads, are they, are they footballers themselves? Yeah, I've got, uh, so I've got one boy and, and two girls, Frankie, yeah. He don't, tell me what, Frankie was a really good goalie. Right. He, and so, I think when he turned about 14, 15, he had enough and he said, because he was at the academy, he was at QPR as he goes, as a goalie, but yeah, he's a footballer, so he plays for Rainers Lane now. Right. So, okay. And my brother, he, he also plays for my brother at Leighton Town. So, brother's okay. the manager. So, yeah, he's okay. good. He, he's good. He's sit but he's, he's a bit taller than me. He's six foot three and he's a, he's a decent footballer. Right. He but, got offered a scholarship in America, but uh, to go to college out there, but he hate, hated school work. So, he's now, he's now, I said, he wanted to go travel. I went, no, no, you get a trade first. So, he's training to be an electrician. All right. So, any other Bertrands coming through, do you think? In yeah, the- well, I've got my two, my two nephews. Um, uh, Freddie's at QBI he's in the under 13s and right. I've got Alfie who's at Stevenage and he's in the okay. under 12 so okay. but, but as I say to them and I say to their parents you've got 1% chance of making it so I mean, absolutely um, from, so from back in the year when you played I mean we mentioned a couple of the names earlier on yeah you've got the other Mr QPR is Kevin Gallon yeah it? well we're good mates because I started at QPR I was under 9 Kev was was it a year above me or two years above me? But yeah, he was the main man, Kev, then. He was that size when he was about 12. So, <laughs> and if you think, he was, what did he score, 160 goals in two seasons? Something I think like it that. was. Like, unbelievable, but, but not like the academy system now. In our league, where we played the Southern Counties a league, you had Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. It was a proper league. It was really good. And for Kev to do that, it was unbelievable. Mm. But, yeah, so, and it was great that when, when I come back, Kev joined there as well so it was like we'd gone around the block and I've ended up back there and was it you two who took were caretaker managers for the West Brom no it was his brother Steve Steve yeah Steve Steve was there yeah so that was a that was a turn up for the books so um, unlucky then I mean okay so QPR legends then I mean um, we went to a few I mean another one I always loved as a kid was um, well not as a kid I was in my 20s by the time he turned up but Alan McDonald yeah Alan Mack he was a great guy because he come back as assistant under Gary Waddock yeah like a great bloke and to be fair we didn't treat him properly when he left Mac he sort of went quietly and then he ended up at Swindon but yeah he was a, he was a great servant so to be fair getting to know football more that was my team really Bardsley yeah uh, Alan McDonald, Darren Peacock Clive Wilson Ray Wilkins that I managed to make my meal debut with the absolute hero of mine Ollie then you had Impey's uh Andy Sinton was a great player. Roy Wegley and, um, and then you had, you had Wegley, but yeah, Les, 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 Les and even it. even it was mate Les and Roy was what it was like the Holland Fly Kiln days. But then the Brooks one was 
it was Les and Gary Penrice, Les, uh, Bradley Allen. Yeah, no, another name for just now, who I, a player I absolutely loved was Clive Wilson. Yeah, he I did. Thought he was best he was, fullback yeah, very, ever to play for England. Possibly. Very calm. I felt, and Barzi was very good oh, as well, because, but he did play for England. So, uh, yeah, but the team before that was my hero in the 80s, John Byrne, but you also Terry Fennick, that was unbelievable for QPR. And one of the most consistent players ever was Paul Parker. For yeah, yeah, he was very, good player. very, very consistent. And um, another name you mentioned, Simon Stainrod. I always rated Simon him as well. Yeah, and, and you don't really hear much of him these days. I think he's, is he a football agent down there? Yeah, I don't, I don't I think know. He might be. Is he? I don't know. I, I know so. John Burns still down Brighton Way because right. yeah, he was, he was made. So when I used to score, I used to take the top off and have the John Burns one underneath. As I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that the, the, the homage to, to yeah. Him. I even like. I'd, when I was younger, grew a bit of a mullet to try to dye it blonde. Cause so if we were to kind of reinvent QPR, well not reinvent QPR, but we don't want to go down this season. We, no. I take your point completely. Because certain people said, would it be better if we did? But, you know, I take your point completely. Horrible lead to get out yeah. of. Um, what could we do? How are we going to reset it? We need because better. we need a bit of this passion, this we, we complete need, conviction we need, and belief in QPR. We need better players. We do need better players. You're only, whether you're a coach or a football club, you're only as good as your players. So we need to recruit better players. If we haven't got money, we, we go in the lower leagues and we, we have to buy and try and get better players. No, they want more money from them. But if you look at a team like Peterborough, they've always got a centre forward because they're mm. down the lower leagues buying these young these centre forwards to come up and try and score goals. And yeah, that's what we need to do. Look, um, QPR's always my team. Kev's QPR's always his team. There's <coughs> there's people out there with the love for QPR that are willing to help. And well, Kev scouts for Crystal Palace, so I think he'd love to do it for QPR at one mm. stage. So mm. they're, they're out there to help and. Uh, look, as we said, we come October when we was top of the league, people was thinking it was all rosy. I had mates saying, "Is this your year?" I've got messages still. No, and you know what? I kept saying over it because Cess is best mates a QPR fan. Is he? Fabregas, yeah. So, oh, we, right. so always talking about, it and I kept getting, "No, no, no, we'll find a way to mess it up." No, no. And then, what game did we win? And I thought, I said to him, "Do you know what?" we might have a chance this year and that was the start of the decline because mm. I got sucked in. I've never seen the collapse of a QPR team in such a short period. Well, this is like, it's like the opposite of the Leicester promotion run to yeah. winning the title in it. We've done the opposite. We were top of the championship back in October, November, whenever it was, but I think briefly. Because now... we, we haven't got the characters to carry the club. But that's As what I keep players. thinking. You know, you yeah. my, my nephews, they haven't got a favourite player at QPR. Mm. Mm. Now, you know there's something wrong when... As QPR fans like we spoke about, there's always someone there to idolise. Was the last great character we had possibly Charlie Austin? Yeah, Chaz, who's a great guy, and maybe we should have kept him on because he's yeah. that character. But yeah, uh, yeah, there's not Elias Chair, but he's not really. And I'd really not like Elias as I had, had a hand in bringing him to QPR. So, but there's no, yeah, there's no. My, my, my nieces and nephews that don't have favourite players that's when you know there's a problem yeah and I, I personally feel we talked about this a little bit earlier on I personally feel really sorry for Gareth Ainsworth who was a great servant at the club much loved by the fans um, and I don't want to see the board say okay Gareth thanks very much let's get someone else in the last five games we've got to, yeah. they've, got to, they've made the decision they've got to stick with it and we've got to hope we stay up yeah and like Gareth's a really good friend of mine but I did question him when he was going for the job because I said, look, I don't think it's a great squad. And it's hard because it's QPR and it pulls you in. Gaz 
that really loves the, really likes the club he's not a QPR fan he's mm. always a Blackburn fan and, mm. uh, so it's different I just wanted him to do well because I don't want it to tarnish what he'd done for the club playing because they sort of done it with, when we was there with Gary Waddle Gary Waddle was a bit of a hero of mine okay we fell out when he was uh manager because he was getting controlled by other people and he weren't making decisions but he's not spoke about in the legendary status that he probably should do as a player mm, mm. because it tainted him and that would if I ever went back to QPR again I wouldn't want that would be one bug to bear was would it when I signed for QPR that was always the the problem was what about if it don't go well when the fans didn't like me would it affect my love for the club yeah and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made but yeah there, there's always that hovering round you if it and, and Gaz will be thinking about it he will do because look yeah the players are not good enough he's had a lot of injuries but as a coach you do take the blame for the results because you're the coach if you get mm. good like when we beat Watford mm. Gaz was brilliant when we lose to Blackpool 6-1 Gaz ain't very good and yeah. that's what that's your job as a coach and you take it on the chin so yeah. but I just hope that he, look, we need a win in the next three games or we very yeah, much we do. And we are banging trouble. <laughs> we really do. Um, okay, so going back to Como then. Second half underway, a uh, bit of a lull immediately uh, as the referee sorts out a dispute of some kind. Doesn't look too serious. Uh, some very quick facts, three of them in fact. Uh, Dennis Wise, he is the CEO of Como, came here about three years ago. Thierry Henry. Uh, the Arsenal legend and prolific French striker. He is an investor in Como. Finally, Como are not called Como 1907 for no reason. They were founded in 1907. Geno go 2-0 up. Cracking goal, to be fair. Goodmanson is brilliant for them. He was with them last season. Uh, absolutely fantastic, incisive move. Same happened about five minutes ago again with him at the heart of it. He swept forward on the right hand, crossed the ball over. It was absolutely hammered into the back of the net. Uh, fantastic strike. Um, again, the Como, the layout of the ground means that I'm sitting behind the sort of tall fence and I couldn't see the player who scored the goal, unfortunately. Same thing's happened. But anyway, I think it was the number nine. Um, I think it, Coda, I think is his name. He wasn't with them last season. Anyway, I'll check all that in a minute. Well, no sooner do Genoa go 2-0 up than the referee has decided to get the home side back into it. Um, I say that as if he may have um, given a penalty that wasn't deserved, but I couldn't again see it because it's a great big yellow gate in front of my uh, viewpoint. Uh, I'm sitting down on the um, pitch level and it's not a great place to see, but I couldn't get anywhere else to sit. Uh, anyway, it's a penalty to Como. Uh, they could be back in this game. So it was indeed Massimo Coda who scored Genoa's second goal, but it wasn't a penalty. VAR has ruled it out. No penalty. Como looking a lot better this second half. Maybe it's down to Mark Bircham. Uh, maybe he had a bit of a word with him alongside the manager, uh, Moreno Longo. But I have to point out that uh, the number two for um, Como, Lewis Binks, Englishman, out here in, uh, in northern Italy in the Piedmont area, um, just saw off a Genova attack and then um, turned it into a decent counter-attack. His ball in just led to Como going close again just then. Lewis Binks was with Tottenham, um, I think, for about 12, 13 years. Didn't make a debut for them, but he's a decent player. 
Uh, he had a good, pretty good first half, um, despite the relentless pressure that Genoa put upon Como. Now he's getting involved in a bit of a discussion. Uh, things are getting a bit heated, but he's um, a tall, composed, um, fit-looking lad. Well, they're all fit-looking lads, let's be, let's be honest. But um, anyway, nice to see uh, Lewis Binks acquitting himself well here. That's the sound of the home side scoring, this time from open play. It is now Como 1, Genoa 2. Well played Como, back in this game. Great bonus facts for anybody coming to see Como play. Uh, it's about an hour and a half flight from uh, London to Milan. Then it's under an hour by car from Milan up to Como. Uh, quicker, apparently, on the train. So all very accessible if you're from the UK. Uh, if you've got a car, though, and you're um, driving a hire car up here, or if you're like me and you live in France and you come across on a little bit of a uh, mini holiday, parking in Como is a total nightmare. If I hadn't been lucky enough to stay at the Hilton previously and knew that the car park was um, only a 10-minute walk away uh, and thought they might look favourably upon me saying that I was here to cover the game and that I stayed with them before, I'd be floundering about probably still now looking for somewhere to park. Uh, Genoa go close again. Uh, so they started brightly in the second half. As I said at half-time, I can't see them losing this one. equalise or do they? They don't. It's going to be disallowed. I was just reflecting before that uh, goal was smashed into the top left corner that they've had a much better half and um, that Lewis Binks really does look like an accomplished player. Positionally really solid and sound and uh, passes the ball well, controls it well and um, just marshals his uh, other two defenders. He's playing on the left of a back three really well. Uh, just pondering all that, and then the ball's rifled into the net, but it's disallowed. So it remains, Como 1, Genoa 2. That is a goal, that's the equaliser. I cannot see how the referee can disallow that. That's two all. Nice goal from the corner. Skidded across the um, inside the six-yard box. Touched one uh, Como player, then another. Again, the yellow fence was in my way, couldn't see who scored. But um, an easy goal in the end of tapping. Uh, but, you know, they've deserved it. They've come back into this game having been really outclassed. Um, Goodmanson being taken off for Genoa about 10 minutes ago has not helped the away side. He was having an absolutely storming game. Played really, really well. I love uh, QPR, my side, to sign Goodmanson one day. I wonder if Mark Burcham's got similar thoughts. But anyway, Mark will be pleased. His side are... Um, Back in this game with about a minute or two of injury time to go. They should be able to hold on to it. I can't see, as I've said all the way through, Genoa losing this. It should remain 2-2. Um, meanwhile, QPR losing 2-1 uh, away to West Brom. It's approaching half-time there at the Hawthorns. Uh, I know Mark Bircham will be having a, a look almost immediately at his uh, phone to see what the score is. Let's hope the Rangers can do something in the second half over at the Hawthorns too. Um, I will close now unless something amazing happens to say it's been a nice outing here in uh, Como. Lovely warm day. Um, good game of football. Both sides good. Genoa much better. Como deservedly back in it. 
It's going to end 2-2, unless you hear from me again. Como, um, looking at my notes, um, sixth place in Serie A in 1950. Yep. Um, late 80s, five season run in Serie A. Yep. Um, then there was bankruptcy and all kinds of chaos. Yep. Uh, they've come through that, come up from Serie D, D to C, now B. Yep. Um, they've got the investment, they've got the um, Durham group. Yeah, the Indonesian yeah. owners. Um, okay. Got Dennis Wise in as CEO. Did I, is it right that Thierry Henry is an investor as well? Is that He's an investor as well. He okay. come in at the same time as Sesc. So, okay, you've been brought over. Um, what can Como achieve? Because it, it, they strike me as a, as a slightly similar to QPR. Yeah, Serie A we can achieve, and I okay. think the owners want it. Uh, the management group want it, and it can be, as we said, that the Serie B very similar to the Championship, where if you can put a run together, you can get a few few better players in as well to strengthen the squad and really affect the start of 11 then you get competition for places which look it's still possible to get in the playoffs this year as I said but I think we're five points away so yeah. uh, but next year we'll be really aiming for Serie A we'll be, uh, I do believe we'll be there in the next three years the owners want it and that's our aim and you are committed for, to seeing it through as long as... Yeah, as long as yeah, they, they want me. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's a very fluid thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Change it's overnight. stability. You can't talk too much that you're going to be yeah. here. But, yeah, that, that was a big reason that I come over was to be part of... I hate the word project, because I know they used it at QPR when Briatori was there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it is actually a project. We're mm. building a new ground. We're trying to build a new ground, just built, built a new training ground. And it's an actual project because stuff's getting done. When QPR was a project, it was just a documentary, really. So, um, yeah, it is. It's exciting times and it's good to, to be here, to see it grow. Well, well of course, the, um, the Briatori era yep. did make, make for one of the accidentally funniest football documentaries ever. My, yeah, I, was, I, was, <laughs> so I was part of that. I didn't sign the NDAs or anything to be in it because right. I thought it was not going to be a good documentary. Even though my mate Matt uh, done the documentary at Ad Hoc Films and I... Because that was the game, me and, me and Steve, Jimmy Jordan got sacked before Fred, but Briatore is there mm. in his office, told me to have a heart attack if we was winning to waste a bit of time. But not <laughs> chest pains, chest pains collapse and go for right. it. So yeah, yeah, he had final edit of that documentary, so you can imagine what's on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Because yeah. everything that's in that, he thought was good. And <laughs> Isn't there that famous bit where, is it Martin Rowlands and he's saying, yeah, he he wants says, to get rid of who him. is this guy? Get him off. Yeah, yeah. And then next week, he'd love him. Oh, Martin's great. And mm. when he was coming out of the ground and someone abused him, he said, I want to get, I'll get all your names and I'll ban you for life. And so, so you would uh, knew there was a sacking coming on when the camera crew turned up. <laughs> so that'd be a Monday morning camera crew be there. Who's going this time? So I went to a lot of games back then and, and um, I interviewed um, Gianni, as I mentioned, but also interviewed Bernie Eccleston yeah. at one point. And it was a phone interview. You know how Bernie's not an easy guy to get a no. hold of. So he rang me and said, yeah, I can talk now. So I pulled the car over. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I was trying to sort of um, tease out as a QPR fan, right? Some kind of yeah. real belief and affection for the club in Bernie. No, I had none. So, yeah, so, so, um, so Mr. Eccleston, um, so are you a sort of life on QPR fan? Is this a bit of a dream come true now? No, no, not at all, no. Um, oh, okay. Well, uh, do you sort of uh, do you support them a little bit, maybe? He goes, no, no, no. I mean, I don't even like football. If I, if I like anybody, if I support anybody, it's Chelsea. Chelsea yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he used to come to the game, and this was before iPads. He had this tablet that he used to look at, and I think, I think he used to like a bear. And he just, he's, uh, 
and then we scored, look up and just look back down the tablet. He had no interest in it whatsoever. But what, what price then, Como and the, 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 the project, that yeah. famous word, yeah. right? I mean, would you let the camera... I mean, I, I know there's Mola TV and massively a yeah. backers anyway, but could there be a Netflix documentary in the offing? They, yeah, they do. Mola TV, I've done it's it before sort of with them, yeah. So right. I think they, they do one every year. Right, so, oh, OK. Yeah, it's a, with, a, with a Mola TV. But, yeah, like, very similar, similar to QPR, as you said. It's a smaller club... And we're surrounded by a lot of big clubs. You've got the both Milans, you've got Atalanta, you've got Monza, like the team's surrounded mm. us. So the Juventus is only out and half away Turin. Mm. Mm. So, and then you got, so lot, lots of, we're the smallest club really here, but it's exciting. And very it passionate fans, as you say. Yeah. And I suppose the run QPR's going on, that wouldn't happen here because the fans turn up at the training ground, wait outside the ground, let you know. Right. You have to, yeah, they have a moan up if it don't go well. So, right. yeah, that's the passion you do yeah. see, which is they take it over it. Like, it goes over the line a little bit. When we beat Brescia away, which is a bit of a local derby, the players had to walk over to their fans and stand there with their heads down while they got abused. It's right, right. A bit strange. Though. That's That reminds me of, um, so Marseille's a massive club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going the other way, not down the French coast, yeah, yeah. seeing Nice, Monaco and Marseille and Montpellier. Um Marseille fans have a similar kind of control over yeah, yeah. the players. Like if they haven't played well, they'll have to. The players will have to come out, hang their heads in shame, take yeah. the abuse for ten minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, last time, know. last time we played Genoa was away, and we were staying in a hotel, and Sampdoria was playing, so we played the night before, same stadium. We're watching it, and they're losing two 0 at home. Who was they losing to? It wasn't someone that good, but they were losing two, and the fans. I'm like. Look at them, they're amazing, they're still there. Like in England, I'd, I'd be mm. gone. If they're losing 2-3-0 at home, I'd, 82nd minute, I might as well miss the traffic because mm. we ain't coming yeah. back. Yeah. But they was there waving flag, I went, that's good support. No, no. And then the lad said, no, they're showing the players, this is our club. So we support, we're supporting, well, the game's going on, but he said, they said, wait till afterwards. Mm. So then the game finished, abuse, and the Sampdoria's players' cars were parked in our hotel. So they come back to get, and all the fans come abusing them. I, yeah, I thought it was going to be a mini riot there. So mm. <laughs> that, well, that was a wide awakening. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Sam are looking like they're going down this. Yeah, season. yeah. Winks is there, isn't he? Harry Winks is there. Yeah, he is. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, God only knows what their fans are going to feel like come the end yeah. of the season. Well, Genoa, Genoa yeah, should be going the other exactly, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, uh, they thought they was going to have a bit of a bounce with the sad passing of Luca Viali because that was his club and they thought, right, let's all go together for the push and it didn't really... I was at really that happen. game. Um, Sampdoria at home to Napoli, the first mm, game yeah. after Gianluca Viali's uh, passing and the atmosphere, it was like the, um, the Sant Genoa yeah, derby. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. incredible. And you, you couldn't hear yourself speak. We, no, did, we did a podcast. It was such a sad uh, thing to happen. I thought it yeah. would benefit the club or the team and it didn't really... I mean, happen. I think in any other team except for possibly Napoli, it would have done. Napoli yeah. were just so good yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, they just played Unbelievable, yeah. pretty much uh, in that game. Um, okay, so um, going back to QPR again. If we yeah, know. of course. So, I speak about them all day. It's no problem. <laughs> so um, John Byrne was your hero. Yes. Um, who, who else would you... Is there an unsung hero as a QPR uh, player who we all forget about as fans? That, for me, it was... Terry Fennick was okay. a big one of that one, but the other one was Ray Wilkins. He don't, and his his legendary status didn't really af, af, 
affect his management. Like his ma- management, we end up getting relegated, didn't we, with Ray? I think. Mm. But yeah, and I made my meal debut with Ray, so that was like a dream come true. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Nicol played with him at Man U. He signed literally, I think, three days before the game. And he was my, he was my first because Jimmy Nicol knew, knew I was a big QPR fan. Uh, he, he was my roommate on the next away game. Right, so it was like unbelievable. I was just battering him with QPR questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Ray, of course, made the transition from being a Chelsea player to QPR in the later yeah. stage of his career, and yeah. was completely accepted. And yeah, well, well, it's weird because not many players go. I think Lloyd Remy was the only one, first one, I think, to go QPR Chelsea. Other than Steve Wicks went back and forward. I can't remember any other player going QPR to Chelsea. Did Gavin Peacock go? No, no, he went the other way. He did. Kyle right? Wilson okay. went the other way. Right. Uh, Mike Fillery went the other way Chelsea QPR yeah it's a very um, it's a highly charged relationship isn't it and, yeah. I mean and, and, and we, all, we see this throughout in football rivalries and stuff but um, yeah, I'd, have been, I'd have been round with Gianni Palladini when I was so I was captain it was under John Gregory and they wanted to get a link with Chelsea I remember we got Jimmy Smith on loan and Michael Manson and they was going to use the feeder club to Chelsea and I kicked off massive Jesus. yeah I kicked off massive you can't do that it would never happen before mm. and just to let them know that there is as QPR fans there is that rivalry it's a bit Chelsea are not as bothered as we are about them. No, that's true. Like we probably were about Brentford. Brentford. But I think from that time in the the 1-0 game, from that, then Chelsea fans come to dislike us because of our dislike for them. Well, that 1-0 game, the the, uh, under Warnock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because of course... Hyder scored the penalty. Yeah, and that was the Antoine Ferdinand incident as well, which of course added to it all. and you know we beat my way as well didn't we Sean White scored on the right, Harry nil, next year nil, yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. Um, and that's another thing I guess with Chelsea that I personally there have been just one too many racist incidents over the years you know I think yeah. that the fans and the um, Sterling incident as well yeah. the Paris Metro one do you know what I mean it's yeah. another thing that for me as a Shepherds Bush as we know is incredibly sort of you, you can be anybody inside yeah. Loftus Road there's no yeah I just think there's a lot of idiots out there and there's always going to be idiots so you can't control yeah. them all you're only one idiot to shout yeah. out of 20,000 if it is so that's true you're always going to get idiots wherever you are in life there mm. is so and you can't you have to re-educate them and stuff you can't re-educate everyone because not all people are mentally as sound as normal people so true true enough but then yeah it, I've, what I've had a shouted at me in abusing grounds is like like horrible no, I wanted well, my I, kids to die of cancer and all that. So that's got to be the worst type of abuse because they're getting personal to you and they're bringing your kids into it. So yeah, it's always. Um, but that was sort of allowed because yeah, as long as it weren't homophobic or racist, but how you can say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the abuse that players do get, something you can have. You can, you can have some games where you don't mind getting abused from the fans because it don't go over the line a bit of booing and shout it's football it's a working mm. man sport originally you can mm. can go to the game and not abuse but boo the other players and mm. and as long mm. as it's not crossing that line but now with a, now with everyone I think you can't say anything you're, uh, you, you, you'd upset someone but yeah I, I do think as a home fan I used to always say to the players like if the fans vented their anger they've got every right to I would as a fan mm. players wouldn't know like getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning to go get a coach and spend all your money and go to watch us at Oldham away mm. when, when I was in the Premier League and we don't turn up and lose 2-0 you've got every right to boo a moan so if you're paying for the tickets yeah I know 
players and other people in football say it's a disgrace coming to the ground to you're not preconceived coming to the ground what well, I'm going to boot them but if you mm. paid your money and you're not happy it's like going to watch a film if you paid your money and you're not happy you can have a little moan up and but the thing is I mean it, it, it means something doesn't it it really yeah. does like when we lost the 2-0 to Preston yesterday here yeah. I am up in Como with my partner and daughter yeah. Uh, you know, we're doing some camping up in the northern bit up near Damasco. It's all lovely and all yeah. that. But I look on my phone, see the result. Yeah, I'm, 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 for I watched it. I watched it. It does. But then we get the inquest from like on the family group text that all goes off again every QBR mm. game. But yeah, it's it's difficult times. But we're used to it at QPR. We're QPR fans. To be own. fair, yeah. We are. Yeah, yeah. It gets a bit uncomfortable when we're doing well. I was more uncomfortable when we were top of the league. Well, funny enough, I made that point to some, <laughs> someone we're having this debate about the usual thing of the Liverpool fans, the Man U fans, the Man City fans of yeah. QPR. What do you support them for? Um, well, one, there's all kinds of reasons, but, but also... I quite like our level in some ways. I don't like where we are right now. No. But I like the fact that we seem to be top six, bottom six... Top six championship, bottom six Premier League. Yeah. Okay. As a club of our capacity, yeah. stature, and all that kind of stuff, um, with occasional runs of better form, and unfortunately we're seeing a run of worse form at the moment. Yeah. But because at the moment, at least we're not, we haven't got a Russian oligarch. No, no. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I was, I was, yeah. I know I was sport because it, it was always top flight when I was younger, really, other than when we first went up with Venables. But you had the seventies team, the late seventies team, seventy six that. Mm. done really well then you had the Venables team in the 80s that done well and Jim Smith managed to keep us up and we was always in the Premier League then but other than that we've never really been a top flight team consistently I suppose when it all started we was a smaller West London club yeah and working man's club and uh we, it's family your family take you there or friends get you to support QPR or you're local and you go there it was a bit uncomfortable when we was in the Premier League and it was this international support that was coming down there to watch it uh, no, I'm not comfortable being near the bottom of the Championship but we can easily be a top Championship team yeah. and get back in the Premier League and stay there because you can you look at the teams that have gone up and, and stayed in there but Well you look at Brighton and Brentford for example two teams that have now Consolidated themselves very well. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing that hurts the most because me growing up, Crystal Palace, Watford, Brighton was never as big as QBR. No, no, never, never as big. And now they're out of sight from us as a mm. club. Look at their stadiums, their training grounds, their facilities that they've got. We can't touch them. So, not even including Brentford in that and Fulham, they're mm. on our doorstep that are now bigger than us and then you, you look at my, my biggest fear is we go to like the third smallest team in London really you get AFC Wimbledon you'll get Leighton Orient and then us yeah and then us because the ground I love the ground and I, I wish they could redevelop it there because that's the memories of <coughs> my granddad my dad like I don't want to mm. leave Loftus Road but it's one of the smallest grounds in the championship really well now. it is yeah yeah so I mean, just thinking of Kevin Gallon, isn't it his famous quote with the biggest, smallest club in London? Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Like that. I but, think, um, uh, he, he swears, I think shit but local, he says as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a of quick questions then. So, what's the highlight of your career? Now, before you answer, the thing I should have told our listeners about is um, you are notorious. Or, yeah, I'm, or, in, or, I'm in the Guinness <laughs> Book of Records. Yeah, for having... Well, tell, tell everybody about uh, it. Yeah, I'm the first person to score for their country without setting foot there. So my debut was for Canada, my granddad was born out in Winnipeg 
and my debut was <coughs> Northern Ireland away where I met up with a team come on a sub and scored so it was only Fantastic. it was only when I was doing the press afterwards because my name's Mark Vassy they thought I was French Canadian they doing the French press French yeah yeah I'm like, sorry no I'm not oh you're not from Montreal Quebec no 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 and the, uh, whereabouts you're from London London Ontario no 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 London London I've never been to Canada and it was like oh never been they looked in and it was, yeah first person what was the final score of that game 1-1 one, one, they scored so 90 second minute yeah. so they equalised they equalised yeah. Yeah. right ok so you nearly came on and yeah, got the winner got the winner yeah, yeah okay. um, and is it also true or is this um, yeah. an urban myth that you sang the Northern Ireland the, yeah yeah the, the, God Save the Queen yeah God Save the Queen because then I was on the bench being a sub and God Save the Queen come on it was just natural God Save so and they, they, they all looked down the line at me giving it but you went on to play for Canada what 17 it was, it was actually 21 times 21 yeah 21 okay. So and I retired twice. So yeah, yeah. But we had the German manager I fell out with at one stage, and then Frank Yallett come back, so I come out of it again. But then we were the World Cup qualifiers, and we got through to the next stage. And then I went back. I'd done my ankle ligaments in pre-season, so by the time I got fit, we were nine knocked out. So I, 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 after that, I just really want to concentrate my QPR career then, because I thought. You know, what was the biggest time? international game you played for Canada? Then? Played Mexico and the Aztec. There was ninety or thousand there. Wow. Uh, uh, we was in the Confederations Cup. Played Brazil. Okay, that must have been pretty. Yeah, incredible. yeah. Because we yeah, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. So yeah, great, great experience. And not only that, we had a bit of an English mentality because so many lads played over in England. We had Paul Piscilliardo, Mark Watson, Nick Dasovich was in Scotland. Paul Stolteri, Jimmy Brennan, all Craig Forrest, and it was a bit of a like. English club atmosphere there yeah. so we'd go because we really enjoyed it there's a lot of travelling but we'd go and have a few nights out and it was it was there yeah, like a club mentality and then when I say the younger lot the lads my age got in and it weren't as fun as much right so right. yeah well the, the younger would be more this um, so I mean would, would that be the highlight then become a, a Canada game or no QBR, QBR make, make him actually playing for QBR no Sheffield Wednesday away go win the league and get promoted there right where there was eight, nine thousand QBR fans uh, and I think it was so important they they told me literally two weeks before if we don't go up they can't afford me and Two of my, I played two really good games. We played Swindon at home that we won one nil. Rowley scored, and then we won away at Sheffield Wednesday three one. And I think it was the pressure. Neil Warnock was trying to sign me from Sheffield for Sheffield United, constantly on at me. Give it. Hopefully they don't win, so I can come and get you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that day I think it was just a release of emotions. That just a release. I mean, I done a pack cash. I climbed up the stand to see the family yeah, that yeah. were there, and it. Because I don't think we'd have gone up if we'd have not gone up that day and we went in the playoffs it would have been too big a loss to be mm. up there all season and mm. not, not do it I think and then to be part of a promotion winning team at QPR that was you can't take that away from me so yeah. that, was, that was the biggest day and who was the best um, player you played with him? Ray Wilkins yeah. one I know it's towards the end of the career uh, Lee Cook, great ability, good mate of mine, great ability. What left foot? I think he set up three of my four of my goals at QBR. So, a, a great ability. And his, his knee injury probably hampered him when he went to Fulham and he didn't kick on. But a great dribbler. Uh, Rowley was fantastic year we went up. I always thought he was, I know he ended up being centre midfielder, but I always thought he was a better player when he was out on the right because he was okay. quick and tricky. Kev, 
if he didn't have that knee injury, he would have really yeah. got. It would have been the same level as Robbie Fowler, probably. Mm. If you mm. look at that England team, they come together. I would say the one that played the best that I played with when he was hit and he was older was Paul Furlong. It, yeah. I think he's had them 20 goals when we went up to the championship. Yeah. A lot of them games, he was unplayable because he was quick, strong. He was, do you know what? He was a smiling assassin because he was nasty. I used to get, the refs used to be on me because they'd expect it, but Furs weren't. He'd smile with that gold tooth and but he'd do you with an elbow. He was, he, he had it all, Furs. He, had he it played all. on a while, didn't he? I mean, he yeah, played. he did. Like, a fantastic left foot, but good finisher, strong, quick. Mm. He, he was a bit unplayable at that time when we was in the championship. What about manager? Best manager? That no, for me, easy was Ollie because yeah, um, just he's like family now to me, Ollie. But he was his great strength was he was so likable when he treated everyone in the squad the same. Very similar to Neil Warnock. Tactically, then forget about tactics. The main thing as a manager you need you need a squad of players wanting to play for you and care mm. to want to play for you. I think man, that's where a lot of managers go or coaches go wrong now. It's not about your tactics, and it is, but. If you haven't got the players on board, it don't matter what tactics you have, it's not going to work. Well, actually, you know, as a sort of, again, as a fan, so you can read any number of football books on tactics now. You know, there's all, all these millions of different formations and you get the impression as a fan that the likes of Jose Mourinho are practising a particular sequence of things yeah. again and again and again. Is that what it's like at coaching level? Yeah, you need the tactics and you do tactical sessions, but... My, one of the best coaches ever was Terry Venables and he would always say remember when you was a player you've got that over people would you enjoy that session and you need to get the players on board like, mm. it doesn't matter you could be the best tactician in the world if you haven't got a relationship with your players that's what Ancelotti does so well he has a relationship with the players and they can get the best out of them so it's man management people mm. going about you're a head coach you're not you're a manager because you're managing players you're managing up in management you're, you're managing your squad and the best ones a bit like Potter at Chelsea no he was never going to do it because they brought a load of players in and gave it to him and yeah. he didn't really have that relationship with them so it's not really going to work so tactics you can have two people as coaches do exactly the same session it's about your personality and how much in, like, enjoyment you can get in or how much they can learn from your session. You could do exactly the same. You could coach the same, saying the same words. But I think as a manager, you need that personality and relationship with the players for them to enjoy it. And you're enjoying it at Como? Yeah, loving do, it. Do you feel it. That, that relationship with the players is there for you and all that? <clears throat> yeah, not as much pressure as I've been under because I'm not the head coach. So... It's a bit of an easier job because you don't have to let them down. You're not the one dropping them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I guess so. I try and be honest with them as much as possible. But as an assistant, you can you can build that relationship with them because you, as I said, you ain't you're not the one that's giving them the bad news because you have a squad of thirty players. You can only pick ten outfielders to start every week. So, and life life in Como then. Let's have a, have a taste of a sort of week, weekly routine then. So obviously yeah. you're, you're holding your training sessions. Yeah, game if, if we go week. if we go Saturday to Saturday game so Saturday we'll play Sunday we'll be off Monday they do <laughs> whether you played or not you do like a physical bit of a running session on the Monday right uh, a, a more physical day again on Tuesday Wednesday's more of 11 v 11 tactics and so and then you, you're in and out of possession again on Thursday and Friday game again Saturday so okay. we have yeah. a double session nearly every Tuesday 
is someone helping you learn Italian or is that all just no, yeah, I'm, yeah, well, I have fun enough with the English speaking lads we have a group lesson every Monday normally okay in at the stadium and then we, we have personal one on one lessons with an Italian teacher but the other coaches they one of them Max speaks really good English so he's helped me Duolingo's helped but it's Duolingo yeah they, Duolingo, Duolingo's <laughs> great uh, Football Lingo is an app Football Lingo so it gives is you it? the yeah so it gives you the oh, Football right. Lingo so for me in France I, I could yeah yeah so you've got Football Lingo so yeah. the re- that's really good it helps you with the terminology oh. but it, what helps is every day having to use it and yeah like, of course yeah. It's, it must be well, I tried to learn Spanish a few years ago and Unless you're speaking it every day and haven't used it or you're living out there, it's he, not really going to register. Well, I've been in not, France not for three years. It's just, even when you're living there, it's still... Uh... Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not being frightened to make mistakes yeah. and just throwing yourself into it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, it's getting there, slowly but surely. And what about life? So, Como itself, I mean, it's an amazing, gorgeous lake. Yeah. The stadium's right by the lakeside. You've got seaplanes flying in and yeah. out every now and then. Yeah. Celebs, as we've discussed earlier, all living here, hanging out. Um, are you getting a chance to sort of explore at all? Or? Yeah, yeah, I know. We don't, not many days off, but try and explore locally. I've not been around the country because of the away games. We, I try and, when we have the away game, I try and get out in the morning, have a walk about, look at the area. But yeah, it's not so much that. I will with the off season. I've not been to Rome. I'd like to. I'd like to go back. I've been to Na- uh, Naples before, but I'd like to go down there and watch a game. As I said, I was a Napoli fan because of Maradona when yeah. I was younger. Uh, <clears throat> so I know I want to explore more of the country once it's the off season. Okay. But I've been I've been quite lucky in the jobs that I've had. Like I was technical director of the Bahamas. I was out yeah, there. Yeah, no, I know. I was <laughs> uh, been in Chicago, one of the best cities in America, and then was coaching in Scottsdale, Arizona, which probably one of the best places in the world so I've landed so, on my feet with jobs I suppose Monaco next then yeah it might, might be up there <laughs> all back to the bush it's very similar well as you just said in that video that we talked about Como and Shepherds yeah bush, very similar know, very similar all kinds of echoes of each other um, so I guess in a, in, a, in a sort of ideal world and maybe you know you're here you get Como into Syria enjoy a season or two there QPR sorts itself yeah. out three four years down the line Back to the bush. Yeah, I think... Wouldn't rule it out? No, I would, I would never rule it out. And then when I left last time from QPR, I, I'd said that it's not the end of the story. I will be mm. back at QPR someday in some capacity because of the love for the club. So, mm. look, you can never say never. It wouldn't be at the moment. But I think as a fan, you always want to play for the club. And I think as a QPR fan coaching, you always want to manage the club because mm. that's the pinnacle. Every fan's a manager anyway. He's picking his team, he's doing that. So, yeah, it, it, if you'd have asked me five years ago, I would have said, yeah, definitely want to be QPR manager. But I just, it's hard because you don't want that love to, yeah. to dwindle at all if you go there. And as I said before, it don't go well. Does it? Does it affect your... The feelings for it. I've been in love with the club for over 40 years, so it, it won't affect me. But just, do you want to uh, affect your standing as a, a, a QPR legend to go to the club? It's maybe because of all the social media, it becomes uh, more under the microscope now where everyone has a voice. Because yeah. in my day, if you wasn't happy, you either had to stay to after the game to boo, 
or you'd go on the pitch like we did with Richard Thompson when he was <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. or yeah. you had to go to a fans forum and wait to air. Now everyone's got instant, mm. instant voice their vent their opinions. And uh, is that something now that as a coach or as, as a club? Do you kind of counsel players to not I'm, turn on social media or does everybody just leave them to it? Or? I've, I've been a coach, so it don't bother me. Cause, but you're a fairly robust sort Yeah, of I've been abused all the time. So <laughs> it, you just don't look at it, but it did affect some players. When I was at QPR, there were some players that got affected by social media. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, quite a few of them, they have to come off. But I don't think as a player now, you can't be on it. You can't be on it. Or if you're going to be on it, other people run it for you. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're mentally weak, a little not mentally weak, but if you're sensitive of what people say, it's got to be the worst thing ever. I, I worry for my teenage girls with yeah. social media, yeah. let alone being a player on social media. Yeah. Because no, it's, I, I totally it's, agree. it's ruthless. And as a manager, it's ruthless. Yeah. Like, even I, I see Gaz getting, getting some stick a little bit by his... Um, interviews after games what you meant to say you've lost the game you've been terrible mm. there's always going to be people you could come out and say these ain't fit enough to wear the shirt they're mm. a disgrace mm. they, they need to back their ideas up but, or they won't be here next year mm. if he done that then it'd be always oh, lost the squad it's terrible if he goes on there and says oh yeah no problem we're getting there it's improving slowly but surely I'm backing the players then always backing the players it's a disgrace so it's a, it's a no win no, situation he is on a hiding to nothing at the moment but if we <laughs> I don't think managers should do interviews after every game because what you meant to say yeah trouble is it's too um, it's contractually required yeah, yeah I know yeah. and it's, um, it's always going to be too interesting I know it, yeah because it, it, it's, it's car crash TV in some ways it I'm is, not saying that is with Gareth Ainsworth at the moment. No, but, but I think it's a no win for Gaz at the minute. Yeah, it is, it is. Because you could be honest and truthful, but then you're upsetting the people that have hired you and you're upsetting the players. Mm. And if you don't say it, then you're upsetting the fans. Mm. Um, let me ask you one other question. Yep. Um, so many years ago, when I was living in Cornwall, I played for a football team called the Dynamo Chuffs. Okay? Yeah. A chuff is the name of a bird in Cornwall. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. And um, we used to play the Isles of Silly have got a combined 11 football team. Oh, have they? And they play, the, the Arsenal Silly have got a league. They play two teams only, play each other week in, week out, right? Guinness Book of Records, smallest league in the world. So my team plays in Penzance. We, we built the smallest cup in the world. It's about six millimetres tall. And we challenged them for this annual trophy. Okay. Called the Lioness Cup. It's the Lost Kingdom of Lioness. That yeah. trophy is now in the FIFA World Cup Museum, uh, FIFA Museum of Football in Zurich. Yeah. Um, next to, is it Thierry Henry's shirt or someone's shirt? Anyway, as an example of, here's something amazing yep. and here's something very small and silly <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. The Lions are about to go off to play um, the Sillies again um, on the 10th anniversary of the last time we played. Now, I'm the oldest and probably yep. won't be playing, but what would your words of advice be to them? How are they going to bring home the trophy? What do they have to do? Is it double serious or is there a night out before? Is there, um, or? There's probably a, a, a pint at half time. To be oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm really into this now. I might want to play myself. I think it's, uh, yeah, go out there, be nasty and hard to beat. Okay, you heard it, lads. <laughs> Mark Bertram, thank you ever so much. That's fantastic. Cheers, Good luck you. for the rest of the season with yeah, Cheers, thank you, thank you very much. That's it, game is over. Como 2, Genoa 2. Um, a fair result. Como came into it very well in the second half. Um, Genoa looked great. Goodmanson going off, as I said a minute ago, was um, quite telling for me. I don't know if he picked up an injury or whatever, but he was fantastic. 
Uh, the Genoa players go over to applaud their um, away support, healthy contingent, probably a good thousand or so. Um, over at the other end, in the Curvus feed, the Como fans still there applauding their players off the pitch as well. Honours even, fair result, definitely. Goals are scored by Patrick Cutrone, uh, who had a stint with Wolves at uh, Gary from Put Five in France, will know, and Leonardo Manusco. Uh, and the goals for Genoa were by Strootman and uh, Coda. I was right, it was Coda, even though I couldn't really see at the time. So well done, me. Uh, John, missed you for this one. Look forward to seeing you again soon. I think we might be heading into Italy again for our next game, uh, possibly to the Stadio Luigi Ferrari. So further uh, east, possibly to Spezia, possibly even further east. Who knows where we're going to be, but join us again soon on Put You On The Med. And remember... You can keep up to date with all the latest at Footy on the Med on our socials. We're on Twitter, TikTok and Pinterest. Search Footy on the Med and don't forget to like, share and follow. And drop us a line at team at footyonthemed.com. Well, that wraps up another episode of Footy on the Med. Another great outing here on the Mediterranean. And we'll be back soon. Arrivederci. Adianto.